way did he go, George? Which way did he go? One of my favorite cartoons is the Tex Avery from 1940 edition of, of Fox and Hounds. In this cartoon, uh, you have Sly Fox named George and a dim-witted hound, kind of like my basset hound, named Willoughby, who repeatedly asks George where the fox went, never suspecting that his friend George is actually the fox. Invariably, George, the fox, tells Willoughby that the fox is on the other side of a rail fence, which is actually at the edge of a steep cliff. Willoughby's line, which way did he go, George? Which way did he go? Long ago came sort of the calling phrase for these cartoons, the catchphrase. And his response, thanks a lot, George, thanks a lot, is to... Which way did he go? The, this question, which way did he go? Which way did he go is the question that I want to ask any, any George, any Tom, Dick, or Harriet regarding Jesus' ascension. Which way did he go, George? Which way did he go? Left, right, up, or down? Which, which way did he go in his ascension? The ascension is a critical element of the Christian faith. It's a crit critical element of the teaching of, of the disciples. It's, it's found in Luke's Gospel and in the Acts of the Apostles, which, which Luke also wrote. Uh, it's, it's, it's found in the, in the creeds. We, we profess it in both the Apostles' Creed and in the Nicene Creed. We say in our Confession of Faith, that he was ascended into heaven. What does that mean? In the ancient world, they had a different cosmology, a different understanding of the, of the structure of the universe. The earth stood on pillars, and underneath the pillars was water, and you found Sheol down there, or possibly Hades, and then, and then, you, and then you have the world, the expanse, and then you have this dome over it with lights built into it and windows up there through which when they're opened water can pour in as rain. Somebody please close the windows and move that rain to California. They had a different understanding of the universe. Sheol was down. You went and slept with your ancestors, you go down to Sheol and, and Jesus going to heaven and anybody going to heaven goes up beyond the firmament, beyond the dome with the lights built into it, and past the waters that are above that, to heaven, where God lives, where the angels are. This understanding of cosmology is not one that we have. After all, when you go up, you, you go up, you get out of the atmosphere, you, you pass the orbit levels and you go on out. You go to the moon. We've sent people to the moon. We've sent probes to other planets. We have rovers wandering around on Mars. We've been to Jupiter and Saturn with our space probes, Uranus and Neptune with our space probes. And this year, this July, the New Horizons probe gets to Pluto. Pluto used to be a planet. Now they've downgraded it. I'm sorry. It's still a planet. It's the ninth planet, okay? <laughs> Can we agree on that? 
and we got a space probe that's going to do a close flyby of the Pluto area. Pluto, Chiron, and Nix. It's going to do a close flyby. And for the very first time, we're going to get close-up views of the ninth planet in our solar system, Pluto. And in all these journeys throughout the solar system, they have not found a heaven. Nor is it found orbiting some other star or some other galaxy or any other cluster of galaxies. We have a different cosmology, a different way of looking at the way in which the universe is constructed. So what is this business about the ascension, about Jesus going up? Because that's how it's described in Luke. It says... The language is, is straightforward. It's, it's not questionable. It's easy to, to read. It says that while he was blessing them, he withdrew from them or separated himself from them or was taken away from them and was carried up, lifted up into heaven. The same word for, for carried or lifted up is the same word that is used when you place anything before God at the altar and you first bring it, and you lift it up before the altar, and then you place it on the altar. That's the same word used here in Luke, the same word used for when you make an offering. You offer it up first, and then place it on the altar. Interesting. Now, the other place where the ascension is talked about in Scripture is found in the Acts of the Apostles. And here... Luke adds a little more information. He says, And when he had said this, as they were watching, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. In some of the earliest iconography of the ascension of Jesus, all you see are Jesus' feet hanging down out of the cloud as he's disappearing into the cloud. And the disciples are there looking up, watching as he goes. And the language here is important because disappearing into a cloud, and clouds are strange things. It can be imagery for a, 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 something in the uh, study of the scriptures. You learn about apocalypticism and, and the studies of the end times and of the strange goings on in the heavens and things being shadowed in clouds. And we know clouds are strange because it, it was in a cloud when a cloud descended upon Mount Tabor during the transfiguration of Jesus and God's voice comes out of the cloud and says, this is my beloved son, listen to him. Clouds are strange and sometimes spooky things. When, when I was on the cruise, we were in the North Pacific heading towards the Bering Sea, but we hadn't crossed the Aleutian Trench yet. We were in the far North uh, Pacific and the, the, the weather was really strange and the, the air was very, very, very thick and humid. And this cloud bank had descended upon us in fog. And it was so foggy, the air was so thick, you couldn't see the bow of the ship from the crow's nest lounge at the very top. You couldn't see the forward bow of the ship for the thickness of the fog, for the thickness of the cloud layer that was laying low over the waters. And indeed, as that day went on, the cloud layer compressed and compressed and compressed until finally we got word that if you went up on the sky deck on the very top of the ship, 
You'd be out of the cloud. So I went up there and I looked around and sure enough, all around the ship it looked like pillows of cloud. And the top of the ship was sticking above. And you could hear the foghorn going off. Oh, every three minutes drive you crazy for three days. Oh, <laughs> standing there looking around, these thick clouds it was kind of scary. It's kind of eerie. You couldn't see the water. You could hear it. You couldn't see the ship. You could feel it. All you could see was the mystery of the clouds. Until the storm blew in and the waves got heavy, the clouds went away and suddenly you wished you could have had them back for the calm seas they brought. <clears throat> the Acts of the Apostles says that Jesus, when he was ascended, disappears into a cloud that takes him away. Now, there's several ways of understanding the ascension. Some believe that it's the way in which God helped the disciples believe that Jesus had, a, had, had gone to heaven. They expected to see him go upwards, and so he did. And then when he disappeared into a cloud, he dematerialized. That's one way to understand it. Or you could understand it as more of a simple statement of faith. That he was there, and suddenly... He wasn't. He was there in their midst just as surely as you are here with me now. And then suddenly, in a miracle, he was in heaven at the right hand of the Father. That's another way of understanding the ascension. Not that he went up into the air and then dematerialized once he got into the clouds, or that he continued on up and past the moon and Mars and Jupiter and Saturn and Uranus and Neptune and Pluto and all out past Alpha Centauri and the other stars all the way out. No. That's another way of viewing it, yes. But the most important point is that he ascended. He lived. He taught. He died. He was buried. He was raised. He ascended and sits at the right hand of the Father. This, this sequence of events is part of the Christ story from his incarnation and birth through his life and his ministry through his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension. And all of this is important. Why is the ascension important? I have like to look at a hint of it in this story from the cartoon of Fox and Hounds. I like to look at it in this because the hound comes and he asks the fox, which way did he go, George? Not realizing that the fox is George. George is this fox. Which way did he go, George? He's standing right there. Unfortunately, like the fox so often, we're pointing other directions. When we're talking about the ascension of Jesus, however, and we're asked, point us to Jesus, it's probably best not to point elsewhere, 
but to point to your neighbor in the pew next to you, to the child you see on the playground, and to your very heart. You see, George was the fox. So are we, in a sense. St. Teresa of Avila wrote a beautiful prayer in which she said, Christ has no other hands but yours. No hands, no feet on earth but yours. Yours are the eyes through which he looks compassion on this world. Yours are the feet through which he walks to do good. Yours are his hands. Yours are his feet. Yours are his eyes. You are his body. We call the church the body of Christ. Christ has no other hands on earth but yours. For that to be true, for that to be the case, for us to be the body of Christ, for us to be the representatives of Christ in this world, for us to be empowered and enabled to proclaim the good news and live the good news and be the good news for others and express the love of God and the forgiveness of God and the peace of God and the acceptance of God, for us to be the body of Christ, the ascension had to happen. The Holy Spirit had to be sent. We had to be filled with the power of the love and presence of God. Which way did he go, George? He's right here in you. He's right here in us. We are called to share the love of God with all. We're called to share Christ with every person we meet. In my travels around the world, I've come into contact with people who have never met a Christian. Or if they have, they didn't know it, and that's a shame in and of itself. And even if they have, and it was a disastrous situation, because their only understanding of Christians were of people who were judgmental and oppressive and not loving. I'm reminded of Gandhi who once said that he would be a Christian if he could meet one. Wow. It's not what we say. It's how we live. Christ has no other hands on earth now but yours. That is what the ascension teaches us. We are called to be the body of Christ the expression of God's love for others here and now. Sadly, the church fails in this. Sadly, the church fails to express God's love for each other, much less for the people outside these doors. We're called to share the love of God in Jesus Christ to all, with all, and for all. Which way did he go, George? He's right there. Give thanks and praise to God that he has made you his hands and his feet. 
his eyes, his ears, and his lips. Give thanks and praise to God that he has made you his body so that we may share and express the love of God to all. Remember, you are the only presence of Christ Jesus that some people will ever experience. Make sure that they know the love of God, experience in their lives, and come to accept that love for themselves. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy listening to a sermon by Dr. Gregory Neal, Senior Pastor of the First United Methodist Church in Commerce, Texas, and Rector of Grace Incarnate Ministries. Copyright 2015 by Dr. Gregory S. Neal. All rights reserved. For more information and for other sermons by Dr. Neal, visit us on the web at www.revneal.org. That's www.revneal.org. You are also invited to visit us in person at First United Methodist Church, 1709 Highway 24, Commerce, Texas, 75428. This program was produced by Dr. Greg Neal.